Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve Him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. Well, this morning, I want to I talk to you about something that, um, that I believe uh, a lot of people struggle with. And that is our identity. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that is one of the biggest fears in our country today is identity theft, right? Where um, somebody steals your identity and goes off and, 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 and uses that for financial gain for themselves and so forth. And, you know, when we normally when we think of our identity, we think of it in terms of our name, our address, our date of birth, social security number, all those identifying markers uh, by which we are identified as a unique individual here in the United States of America. But, you know, when we think about our identity and uh, it really is so much more than just a set of numbers. Amen. Um, and so our identity really is who we are. It is, uh, it, it is how, we, how we think of ourselves. So I'm going to ask you a weird question this morning. If someone were to ask you a simple question such as, who are you? How would you answer? How would you answer that question? You'd probably start with, well, my name is Scott. I am 47 years old. There may be other things that you identify yourself as. Uh, probably your occupation, maybe if you're in school as a student and so forth. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I, I'm, I'm a, a homemaker. I'm a teacher. Uh, you may identify I'm a junior in high school. Uh, there are other things that we identify ourselves by and uh, where we draw our identity from. Maybe you are the son of a doctor or daughter of a farmer. There are even uh, non-tangible things in which we identify ourselves by. And maybe when you think of yourself... You think of some of these things. Maybe you were the kid who was made fun of all the time growing up. And that persona still follows you to this day. Maybe you were the child who could never do anything wrong. Right, Jagger? Uh, yes, I see some of you. that. Um, or maybe you were the kid who could never do anything right. Maybe that's how you identify yourself. And yes, maybe you're a little bit of both, um, as Kevin has identified with this morning. Oh, okay, pointing at Myra. Maybe your family name engenders pride. You are a Smith. You are a Jones. You're whatever your last name is. Maybe your last name engenders shame. Maybe you're a Hatfield or a McCoy or... <laughs> Maybe you identify yourself as a success because so many people in your family have been successful. Maybe you identify yourself as a failure because lots of folks in your family have been a failure. There are lots of different places we draw our identity from, some of which can cause us to be too hard on ourselves, some of which I believe can cause us to be maybe too lenient. So the question is, where should we get our identity from? Um, 
how should we view ourselves? In order to have a proper view of ourselves, to face the world that we live in today, how should we view ourselves? Well, I believe the Apostle Paul gives us a great option here in Colossians. Chapters really 1 and 2 and all throughout the book of Colossians. But we're going to focus in um, here on Colossians 1 verse 27 for just a moment. The Apostle Paul is... uh, is, is talking here in verses 25, 26, and 27 about uh, the mystery which has been hidden from ages past and but now has been revealed to his saints. And here in verse 27, look at what he says. He says, To them, to the saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So here, to us, his saints, God has God has chosen to reveal what is the the the, the best thing, the riches of the uh, uh, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And here he tells us what is so wonderful about that. He says, "Which is what Christ in you, the hope of glory." Friends, here is a wonderful place for us to get our identity from. The mystery that that is the gospel, the mystery that God sent his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins, then to rise from the dead three days later so he can give us new life. That's what we that's what we celebrated last week. And as we've said several times this morning, that's what we celebrate every week. Amen. But one of the prized parts of that is that now, because we have the opportunity to know God and to be in relationship with him. Jesus comes to live inside of us. He lives in us and we live in him. It is what we call we are now in Christ. Amen. Say with we are now in Christ. So if you are a believer, if you're saved, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you are say it with me in Christ. I am in Christ. You say, well, pastor, um, what does that mean? Well, what that means, we're in Christ. If you are saved, you are in Christ. Um, that, that's what it means to be in Christ. But I believe to have our identity in Christ, um, we can be in Christ. However, sometimes we may, uh, we, we may not be thinking of our identity as in Christ. Does that make sense? Um, when we're saved, you are in Christ, whether you realize that or not. But we need to we need to realize it. We need to come to the understanding of what that means in our lives, that we are in Christ and our identity is in Christ. I believe Paul goes on to explain this a little more in chapter two, um, beginning in verse six. Look at it, if, if you will, with me this morning. In verse six of chapter two, Paul writes, he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. So we're making an assumption here, and the assumption can also be a a step of action this morning that if you haven't received Christ Jesus as Lord, we believe that he died on the cross to pay for our sins and rose from the grave, then we put our faith in that, then we are born again. Amen? Amen? So as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, it says, so walk in him. Walk in him. Rooted and built up, say it with me, in him, in him. 
and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Uh, friends, I believe here we find the first uh, aspect of what it means to have our identity in Christ. Remember, we are in Christ, but to have our identity in Christ and to realize that and let that be part of us is, friends, that we continually draw our sustenance from the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are in Christ, when our identity is in Christ, friends, and we realize that we, we are continually drawing our, our sustenance from the Lord Jesus Christ. See, after we believe in him and receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we don't leave him behind and then just continue to live our life as it was before. Amen? Amen. Our life is changed. We are a new creation. We are now in Christ and we begin to walk in him. And so therefore, after we are saved and after we are born again, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We need to continually live our lives drawing uh, from his life. Amen. Um, I love the natural analogy that Paul gives us here in verses six and seven. Um, the, the analogy is this, that walking in Christ is is like a tree drawing water from the ground through its roots. Here in verse seven, he goes on to say that we are rooted and built up in him. The word rooted, the tense of the verb uh, here in the Greek is a perfect passive participle. Um, literally, in English, you could translate this way, uh, having been firmly rooted. So it is an action that has taken place in the past, but has been completed and, 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 and in, a, in a perfect sense. Suggesting that this is a once for all event that has already taken place in the past and whose effects last forever. So if we are saved, we're not trying to be saved. We are rooted. We have been grafted in. Amen. We are we are plugged into Christ uh, already. It has already taken place. But the interesting part is um, the tense of the next verb built up. Is in the present. It's a present passive participle. Uh, could be translated this way. So having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him. And so uh, this is in the present. So we are rooted in him already. That's completed, been done. But we are being built up also in him. It suggests ongoing action as we continually draw our sustenance from the Lord day by day. Amen. So we are rooted in him, in Christ, the moment we believe and are saved. Then day by day, we draw our sustenance from him as we abide in him. And let me just tell you, um, this is the concept that John talks about in John chapter 15 of abiding in Christ. Amen. What a beautiful picture we have here. Just as a tree draws water from the ground through its roots, so we draw water through our connection with Christ. Amen. He is the living water, right? He who believes in me shall never thirst, he tells us. Science writer Hope Jaren um, shares some interesting information about how a, a, a tiny seed can become a huge tree and can put down its roots into the ground. I want you to listen to what she says, and I think it helps us to understand what Paul is saying here. She says, No risk is more terrifying than that taken by the first root. 
A lucky root will eventually find water, but its first job is to anchor. Once the first root is extended, the plant or the tree or whatever um, it is will never again enjoy any hope of relocating to a place less cold, less dry, less dangerous. Indeed, it will face frost, drought, and greedy jaws without any possibility of flight. She calls taking root a big gamble. But if the seed takes root, it can go down 12, 30, 40 meters. And the results are powerful. A tree's roots can swell and split bedrock. A tree's roots can move gallons of water daily for years. Much more efficiently, she says, than any pump yet invented by man. If the root takes root, then the plant becomes all but indestructible. Tear apart everything above ground, everything, and most plants can still grow rebelliously back from just one intact root. Not just once, not just twice, but multiple times. Um, Friends, most of us can give testimony to this, right? Have you ever tried to clean out brush from your yard, you know, and you get some get some stubborn uh, vines or, or, or bushes or, or, or weeds and so forth, and you've tried to pull them back, especially perennials, right? They keep coming back and back and back, and I've got some things in my yard that I've been trying to get rid of, and they just keep coming back. Well, friends, in a similar type way, when we take root in Christ and draw our sustenance from him and let our identity be completely in him, then we are just as indestructible. I want you to listen to what Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 says. It's on your um, outline, I believe. It's on the screen here. Um, Very similar passage to to, uh, Psalm chapter 1, which says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the rivers. And will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Friends, that's what it means to have our identity in Christ. Amen? That no matter what comes, no matter what happens in our life, when our roots are plugged into the Lord and we are drawing sustenance from Him, friends, then we are on solid ground. Amen? We have the life that we need. We can continually draw the living water from him. Amen? Number two. Friends, not only when we have our identity in Christ, can we continually draw our sustenance from him. But the second thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this. Friends, when we have our identity in Christ, friends, we don't become enamored with other philosophies, other things. Paul gives us a warning here in verse 8. As we are rooted in Christ and built up in him and established in the, in the faith, here to the Colossian church, he gives a warning that was uh, probably meant uh, to combat some um, heresies that were being taught and trying to be brought into the Colossian church that they were in danger of. Here's what Paul says. He says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Now, the word cheat there is actually a word that means to take you captive. Um, Cheat as an English word probably is not the best way to understand that. 
um, captivate. Uh, it actually means to kidnap or carry away. So uh, he says, he's saying, beware lest anyone uh, take you away with philosophy or empty lies. Philosophy is a word that's made up of two Greek words. Philos meaning love and Sophia meaning wisdom. It is the love of wisdom. And so you say, what pastor is Paul saying here? Is Paul saying that we need to not be not love wisdom? Well, that's not it at all. In fact, back up in verse 3 of chapter 2, he tells us that in, in God is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we need to become wise. We need to seek wisdom in the Lord. Amen? But what he's saying here is, beware lest anyone else captivate you or enamor you through the love of wisdom and empty lies, empty deceit. He's warning against hollow and deceptive philosophies. He's warning them to say, listen, be careful about other philosophies. Uh, He goes on to say, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, be careful of other philosophies, those which are, uh, 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 that are just made up from man's speculation. Those philosophies of life that mankind posits and comes up with and is trying to figure out and explain the world around them, but is simply devised out of man's own mind. Those are the philosophies that we need to be careful of. Amen? He says, be careful and beware of those things. Do not let anyone enamor you or captivate you by those things and not according to Christ. Friends, those philosophies of life, uh, anything, really, they're anything that's not founded on the Word of God. Amen? Those types of things will do nothing but draw us away from God and our identity in Christ. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff out there. One of the places my wife, well, it's actually several places. Um, there are several, I don't like, guy, I don't like to go shopping normally, right, okay? Anybody else with me? Okay. Uh, I don't like to go shopping, except um, there are a couple of places I like to go. Um, and my wife doesn't like to go with me. Um, one of them is Sam's Club. Okay, Sam's, this all, you can always find something good at Sam's Club. And the second is any kind of home improvement store. Um, you know, whether it be uh, Lowe's or Home Depot or Menards, um, because you know what Menards is. Menards is simply just a big indoor flea market. It really is. It's just kind of a big yard sale and stuff. But the reason my wife doesn't like to go with me to these stores is because um, we'll go for one thing, right? You know, I've got, I've got to go get something to fix a, a light switch. And we go in looking for that one light switch thing, and then it's, ooh, ah, Oh, and two hours later, you know, I know that it's going to take a while if dad goes in the store uh, like that. Um, I'm very distractible, especially in a place like that, Sam's Club. You know, they've always got something that, that, that you didn't think you needed, but you know what? I've just kind of, wow, I've never seen that before. Or, man, look at this. And so it's always pulling me away and distracting me and so forth. And I believe that's what happens in the world with us. Um, it's what draws us away from the Lord and our focus and our identity in Christ is when, you know, it's the newest, greatest thing. It's the newest, greatest philosophy. It is this, that, or the other. Friends, there's, the world likes to throw all kinds of life philosophies at us and theories and ideologies uh, at us that distract us from 
where we need to be. From following our horoscopes to believing in evolution, the latest self-help book, to what Dr. Phil has to say, to what Deepak Chopra has to say, or whomever, friends, you name it, we get enamored and drawn away with all sorts of new ideas and things that are out there, and we can become captivated by them, and we get distracted from building our life solely upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. That's why Paul tells us here, beware, lest anyone enamor you, captivate you with the newest, greatest philosophy, according to the tradition of man, according to the base principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Friends, because when they do that, it pulls us away from our identity in Christ. It pulls us away from who we are and who we need to be. And that keeps us, friends, from standing for him. As Jagger talked about this morning, that's what keeps us from standing for, for him as we ought. It keeps us from serving him as we ought. It, it, it keeps us from being the witnesses that we ought to be. Amen? Friends, when our identity is in Christ, we are continually drawing sustenance from him and we are uh, uh, not allowing other things to draw us away, but we keep our focus on the Lord. I am in Christ. I am in Christ and he is in me. Friends, when our identity is in Christ, not only will we continually draw sustenance from him, not only will we not become enamored with other philosophies, friends, but the third truth I want to share with you this morning is this, friends, is that we, when we are, our identity is in Christ, we let our confidence flow out of his sufficiency. We let our confidence flow out of his sufficiency. In other words, we can be confident not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Amen? I don't know about you, Do you ever feel inadequate? Do you ever feel fearful about what life throws at you and about maybe what's coming in the future? Do you frequently have doubts, maybe even about your salvation, because because you're not, man, if I I was saved, if I was really this, then I wouldn't be doing this. Well, friends, fortunately... um, None of those things depend upon us. Let me, let me give you something to hold on to. In verse 9, Paul wants to ground them. He's already talked about uh, this in chapter 1. It's chapter 1 of Colossians is one of the great Christological passages of all of Scripture. And I believe verse 9 is one of the greatest Christological verses in all of Scripture. Um. Look at what verse 9 says. Remember, he's been talking about we need to be rooted and built up in him and we need to walk in him and not be pulled away by other philosophies and so forth. But why? For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's the gospel in a nutshell, amen? Um. Evidently, part of the heresy that was threatening the the Colossian church um, taught that Jesus was not fully God, Um, that that he either emanated from God or that God's spirit just uh, dwelt with him for a while and what have you. But um, Paul wanted to erase any doubt of what he was saying here. 
And so for those who want to come up with some kind of other theory on who Jesus is or who Jesus was and that, that he was not fully God, that that's not what the Scripture's saying, uh, I don't know any other way to get around what this verse here says. It says, for in him, in Christ, dwells all. Not just a little bit, not just some, not just a piece, not just for a time. All the fullness. It is like Paul wanted to just repeat himself here for emphasis, okay? All the fullness, that which fills something up, all the fullness of the Godhead, of deity, the state of being God bodily. In him dwells all, all, say with me, all, all, every bit of it, all of it, all the way... Jesus wasn't just some God. He wasn't just part God. He was all God. I don't know how he can be any clearer here. Everything dwells all the fullness of God bodily. You say, but pastor, how could that happen? I I really don't know. It's one of the great mysteries. That is one of the great mysteries of Scripture. Amen? How could Almighty God become a human being? I don't know. But that's what my Bible says happened. And that's what the scripture says who Jesus was. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. In his body as a human being. So friends, Jesus was not just partly God. He does not just come from God. God did not just let his spirit rest upon him for a time. He was not just favored by God. But what the Apostle Paul is making absolutely, positively, 100% clear here is that Jesus was fully, completely, 100% God in the flesh. And because of that, look at verse 10. So he... First in verse 9 talks about who Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which also he has laid out in chapter 1. But he says, but, and you are complete in him. Thank you. In him. We are complete in him. You say, Pastor, but I don't feel complete. Well, many times I don't either. Pastor, I, I, I'm broken. I, 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 there's so many mistakes I've made in my life. Me too. How can I face? How can I do what God's called me to do? How, how, can, I, how can I do this? How, what, I, I don't feel whole. Listen, you may not feel whole, but if you're in Christ, you are complete in Him. You are everything you are supposed to be. You say, but pastor, I know that once we're saved, God's working in us to make us into who he wants us to be. Yes, absolutely. He's he's working out the impurities and the imperfections in us. But we are complete right now because of who? Him. We are complete in him. And then to put an exclamation point on it, uh, uh, just to, uh, to dot the I, he says, who is the head of all principality, authority, and power? He is the supreme. Listen, you think you're not complete? There's nobody higher than Jesus. So, so, so get over your thinking. Listen, if he's fully God and we are in him, then, then I am, and he's in me, then I am complete in him. Amen? That's something you can take to the bank. 
Not because of who you are, not because of who I am, friends, but because of who he is. We are complete in him. We have everything we need, friends, for this life and for eternity. And for when people tell you that you need, yeah, okay, fine, you've trusted in Jesus, but you need this to be whole. You need this. You think you need this, or you think you've got to have this, or you think you've got to fix it. No, friends, you are complete in Christ. Realize the resources which you have, Almighty God living in you. It's not in me. I'm a sinner. I fall short every single day. I fail. My confidence, if it's, and, and you say, so we, we, we can be confident, you say there, Pastor, um, I, but, I, but I know I'm going to mess up. Absolutely, I mess up all the time. My confidence is not in me. My confidence is not even that God's going God's to always do the perfect thing through me because he uses me as a human being. But my confidence is that God can even take my frailties and my failings and make them something perfect. That's amazing. Amen. That's the wonder and the might of our God. And so, friends, when you are feeling like you're down in the dumps, you know what? I'm just a failure. I've messed up. In Christ, you can do all things. When you feel like, I just don't have the strength, go on. I don't have any hope for tomorrow, friends. In Christ, we do. Maybe you say, you know what, I, I, I know I need to do this. I know I need to forgive this person. I know I need to talk to this person. But I don't know that I can. Friends, in Christ, he's going to give us what we need. Amen? In Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, when my kids were little, some of them are still little, but um, most of them are growing up. And um, I don't, guys, I don't know if you do this or not, but when I, I have a project or something to do, I, a lot of times I would, I, most all the time, I try to have one of them with me and so forth, um, helping me with something, even when they were so small that they couldn't really be much help. It's fun to have them around. I want you to imagine... I want you to imagine a father who is going, going, getting in his truck and going out into the woods to cut some firewood. And, and he takes his four-year-old little son with him. He says, come on, son, we're going to go cut some firewood. And so they, they get in the truck and they drive out to uh, the woods and they, 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 they go out and find a, find a tree that's already fallen. He takes his chainsaw and he cuts it up and uh, he gets his um, axe out and his splitter and and gives his little four-year-old son his little, his little axe. And as the dad cuts it up and then begins to split the wood, takes the splitter and splits it, and as he does, he puts it in the back of the truck. The, the little four-year-old boy is just sitting there with everything he can, just chopping on the wood. And every now and then he gets a piece broken off, and he takes that little piece and he puts it in the truck. After a while, the little boy gets tired and he kind of sets the axe down and he goes, plays over in the leaves for a while and takes a stick and plays over there while the dad's continuing to split wood, split wood. Finally, after being there for quite some time, the dad had chopped enough wood and gotten the back of the truck full of wood. 
said, come on, son, it's time to go. They go hop in the truck, and the little boy looks in the back of the truck and says, wow, Dad, we sure did chop a lot of wood today, didn't we? I hope you understand where I'm going with this. Friends, very simply, um, we're that little boy. Um, The dad says, yes, son, we did. Um, Like that little boy, we oftentimes want to take credit where credit is not ours, amen? But like that little boy, we have a heavenly father. We have a father who, who is working with us, who is working in us, who is working through us. And friends, it's not all up to us and our strength and our power and what we know. It's up to him. Amen. I don't understand why, but God has chosen in this world to work through us as human beings. He's chosen to use us in the lives of other people. When we feel inadequate, when we maybe don't know what to say, we don't even know what to do. We don't even know how to, how to help any, somebody else. Friends, God does. and We need to allow him to use us and work through us. Friends, whatever, however, the devil has tried to inoculate you by, by, by making you think that you are not good enough, strong enough, don't know enough to serve the Lord as he calls you to. It is in Christ that we can do all things. You are in Christ. You are a child of the King. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are in him, friends, and you have the power of Almighty God working through you. Let's let him do his work. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you call us to take up our cross and follow you, to die to ourself and to surrender our lives to you. Lord, I think many times that scares us. Because we don't know what you are, what you're going to call us to after that, Lord. What you're going to, what you're going to want to do through us. So, Lord, we often feel inadequate, incompetent. We feel like we don't have the strength to do the things that you called us to, and the things that you wanting to do through us. Lord, I pray for each person here this morning that if they know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, you will help them, Lord, to live on the identity that they are in you. They are in Christ and that you are in them, leading them and guiding them and directing them and giving them the strength and the power and everything they need to live this life for you to do the things that are hard to do 
forgiving someone who has hurt us. Ministering to someone who has maybe spit in our face. Yet you've called us, Lord. Lord, it is through your strength. It is allowing you to to work through us that we we can do those things that you've called us to do. Lord, help us each and every day to surrender fully and completely to you. To allow you to have full control of every area of our lives, Lord. Lord, work in us. Work through us. As we submit ourselves to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast. My name is Mark Hyde. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if there's any way we can pray for you, any decision that you might have made, or hey, maybe you had a question from today's sermon, feel free to shoot us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's info at southsidesbc.org. And we would love to connect with you this week. So once again, thank you for listening.